there are always these moments that are just ours. At her funeral, we played God is an Awesome God by J.J. Harrison. That was the first song that the choir sang. There will be days I just need to feel her and I turn on the radio and I don't know where that song comes on. That wasn't a coincidence. That was my mama coming to see about me and letting me know that I am never without her love and I'm never without her presence. This is Sanctified, the Littest Church service where hot girls and holiness align. And we are your hosts. I'm Deborah Joy Winans. I'm a wife, a mother, an actor, but most importantly, I'm a lover. And I'm LaVon Briggs, Emmy Award winner, Joy Chaser, and a Queens girl. And when my old church asked me to wear stockings, I bought fishnets. And this is the kind of church that rocks with the Megan the Stallions just as much as the Mahalia Jacksons. On Sanctified, we center the testimonies of sisters who are figuring out their faith authentically. And we're going to ruffle some of the saints' feathers, y'all. But we will always leave you feeling affirmed and loved. You ready, LaVon? Let's go get them. Welcome to Sanctified, everybody. Now, today's episode, we do want to give you a content warning. It deals with grief and loss of loved ones. So please tap out if you need to and make sure you take care of yourself. We are here for you. We love you. Now, before we get to service, we've got some good old church announcements. LaVon? Listen, I got my church fan. We ready to rock. Just like y'all have been rocking with Sanctified and we want to keep the party going and our community growing. So there are a few things we need from y'all. So number one, hit that follow button so you're notified of everything that we are doing over here at Sanctified. Don't forget to rate us on the Spotify app, tap the star and give us five stars. Thanks. Five. Five. Cinco. Song. Also, and. <laughs> Tap that bell so you're notified as soon as a new episode is released. Boom, bam. Thank you very much. We appreciate y'all. That's it for the church announcements. Let's get into today's topic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this episode is a very important one, especially during the holiday season. As so many of us like to celebrate with our loved ones, Many of us come together at our mama's house, at big mama's house, at Gigi's house, at great Graham's house, (laughs) the women who have shaped who we have become. While we do that, there are many of us for whom the holidays are challenging because our mothers or our grandmothers or our big mamas are no longer here. And so how do we grieve the loss of these amazing women while still trying to capture the joy and the remembrance of the holiday season. Yeah, it's really delicate. And so this episode is dedicated to those who are celebrating and those who are missing their matriarchs. We see y'all and we got y'all. We got you. We got you. You know what I'm saying? Because our mothers and our grandmothers and our other mothers and aunties and all them, uh, they taught us about how sacred and holy and intimate relationships are with your mothers. Just thinking about cooking together, braiding hair, getting ready for church, or when they put on full-blow mama bear for you. I remember (laughs) (laughs) I was like five years old, and that Christmas, I got a shitload of toys. I mean, (laughs) tricycles, 
play kitchen, dolls, books, you name it, so much stuff. And there was a really big box that this play kitchen set came in. And five-year-old LaVon, bless her sweetheart, played this little game where she put all her toys into that big-ass box. (laughs) Unbeknownst to my father, (laughs) he did not know that I put all those toys in there and put the box out thinking it was trash on the curb. And the trash collector came and took the box. (laughs) When my mama got wind of what happened, she was like, where's LaVon's box? And when she found out what happened, she went off. You didn't check that box. All of her toys were in there. How could you not? I was just like, well, I didn't have to say anything because my mommy said it. You know, I just felt so protected. It was like, yeah. And another thing, it just felt really good to be protected by my mom (laughs) in that moment. Oh, my gosh. Mama bear energy is always welcomed. Mm, You have serious mama bear energy. (laughs) I know. You do. Pray for my child. I love that little boy. Cub tea. It's just a picture of what I feel like I've always gotten. People used to come to me and say, oh, you're so spoiled. And my response is always, I'm well loved. Same. I am well loved. And it's been in different fashions from different people, well-loved by my mother, my father, my my brothers, well-loved by my grandparents. My, yeah. my grandma is literally one of my favorite humans on this earth. She is really, you know, my parents would make us go to 6 a.m. prayer. And initially I was like, oh my gosh, why do we have to get up this early? This is ridiculous. Because <laughs> 6 a.m. prayer means I'm getting up at 445 and I got to be in the car by 5.15 so that we can get to church on time and get to a seat and sit down, get on our knees and pray starting at 6. And so that's a lot. You lost lot. me at 4.45. Honey, <laughs> I remember I was not a fan of the hour in which we had to be there. I remember, I think it was maybe the second or third time that we did it. And I just found my grandmother and I went and got on my knees next to her and she was sitting in the pew. So I just got on my knees and I rested my head on her knees. And I just remember hearing her pray. And to me, professional prayer, you know, prayers that really (laughs) sounded like they meant something had all the big words in it and a tone and the mm-hmm. way they spoke like that was like, Ooh, I don't know how to pray like that. I wonder if Jesus hear me. Number one, I knew God heard my grandma. Okay. Cause I just knew. And when I heard the way she prayed, I was like, I know she know God and I know I want to know God and I know God hears her. And if that's how she pray, then I certainly can pray. You know, those are the things that I think, all people can do, but matriarchs really have a hand in in shaping and molding faith early on and love and what that means to you as a child. You know, it's so beautiful. Well, let me ask first, your grandmother that you're talking about, is that your paternal or your maternal grandmother? My paternal. Okay. So apparently I'm the spitting image of my maternal grandmother. And, you know, they say genes skip a generation. And I remember seeing this image of a pregnant woman with the baby inside. And then if it's a girl, if it's a female fetus, that her eggs are being developed inside of the pregnant mother. So technically, you and I were inside of our maternal grandmothers. Ah, Isn't that incredible? Wow. 
God, you did that. It is truly a miracle the way the human body is created, shaped, formed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as Black women, our relationships with our mothers shape the women that we are, the women that we become, the women that we want to become. Literally and figuratively, like we're we're shaped in their womb and then we are shaped and molded when we come out to become the people that God has called us to be. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right that we're shaped by both the love, the care, and the tenderness of our mothers, but also we're shaped by some of the gaps and some of the missteps, you know, that can happen with mothering. So I'm a huge admirer of Jennifer Arnice. She actually does a lot of work around healing Black women's mother wounds, which is not something that we talk about a lot. And so the way that has come up in my life is just, it's been hard to navigate the generational differences. So as someone who's breaking generational curses and creating new generational patterns, there are things that I do like therapy that my mother up to this point has disagreed with. And so a part of my shaping has been, let me hold on to the great things that I learned from her and let me heal the things (laughs) that, you know, could be healthier. Yeah. So that's been a part of the journey for me. Kudos to you for being able to take that step and hold on to the good and just shape and reform. Right. And grow from the other things. I think it's interesting that we hear a lot that Black mother-daughter relationships Mm. aren't as loving as other cultures. I think that's a very interesting thing. Have you heard that? I have, and it's a complete fallacy. You know, our relationships have historically been fractured when you think about on this land, right? Our enslaved foremothers who had babies never knew if their baby was going to be sold off to another plantation or taken from them, right, as punishment for something. And so in the United States, love has traditionally been more about survival than softness for Black women. And I think we're seeing a resurgence and a reclamation of softness for Black women that is healing our mothers and I would say our ancestral foremothers as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're leaning into it. I think for our culture more than any other, we've had to make so many tough choices. Right. So yeah, it's been about survival, but now we understand surviving together and now thriving together. Come on, somebody. It's very interesting. A lot of people (laughs) feel like once you reach a certain age, you don't need your mama no more. And I'm like, uh, who said that? Who said that? Right. It wasn't me because I'm like, listen, I don't care how old I get. Mommy, (laughs) ma, okay. The way I will go to mommy in two seconds you know, when you start getting older, like after college, like, oh, no, mom, no, mom, no, mom. When I was in the hospital and I had to have my cerclage so that my baby wouldn't come too early. I was like, where's mommy? Listen, <laughs> where's mommy? my mother is still my emergency contact. OK, if something go down in New Orleans, they are calling Merlene in New York City. OK, <laughs> look, it's something about it. And I even notice it in my son. I notice that when he's ready to be rough and have fun and climb the wall, he is jumping to daddy. When he falls, when he hurt his finger, ma, ma, mama, mama. Aww. 
it's something about a mother's love and like a healing. Oh, absolutely. That you can feel from your mom. I get that because I know looking to my mom for affirmation, for safety when I was little was so important to me. And there are also some lessons that I've learned from my mother's journey because her mom transitioned when my mom was 17. I can't imagine losing my mom at 17. And so I am certain that there are some things my mom wished she had her mom to help walk her and guide her through. But it just feels like there's a lot of grief there. And she and I haven't talked about that, but I sense it. Yeah. So then talking about grief, the the notion that it should be avoided or ignored feels like it just creates a deeper hole. Mm-hmm. Is there a benefit of digging into that grief? Absolutely. The only way to process it is to process it, right? To embody it when we're grieving and we feel that hollowness in our chest when we cry again. (laughs) You thought you ran out of tears, child, and here comes another wave. I think just honoring the fact that grief is a holy emotion that we get to process with God and in community will help us to alleviate some of that discomfort. You got to go through it. That's the only way through. Literally. Okay. So our relationships with our mothers is often how we first begin to understand faith. There's a level of just unconditional love and trust that to me has felt automatic with my mother. And I think that we learn as we continue to grow in God and who God is for us and to us, we mirror that same sort of unconditional love and trust with God. And I think that helps us bridge into God even more. Because when I started going to an African-centered church in Atlanta, they would say, mother, father, God. That's how they would refer to God. I had only heard Father God growing up. So it really taught me how to reflect on the maternal traits of God that illuminate the relationships with our mothers and mother figures. Even in scripture, in Matthew 23, 37, it says, how often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? That mama hen... Okay, she's not just laying eggs. She's going to use them wings to slap a predator. Okay, <laughs> okay, very protective, which I love because sometimes we think of God as being like very gentle or the mother as being very nurturing. But imagining God like this is fierce, is a protector, is willing to cover you. Like that is powerful imagery. Oh, absolutely. There's this song, He That Dwelleth In... The secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yes. Psalm 91. I often think of that and think protection. I think provision. Everything I need is under the shadow of the Almighty. Like I'm good. And so when you say seeing a mother in her gentle way, yes, she is gentle, but she is also a protector, a guide, an enforcer. And I have never once 
had to worry if somebody looked at me wrong. My mama, you know what I'm saying? My mama. That kind of love, protection, ferocity, and gentleness all at the same time is the beautiful, complicated coalescence of motherhood. When that transitions, when that loss is suffered, there is so much grief and so much pain that surrounds that. And today's testifier is going to be able to help us ponder and wander through those feelings as we unpack them. And so I am so elated that I get to introduce y'all to multi-genre theologian and author of the best-selling book, Red Lip Theology, for church girls who consider tithing to the beauty supply store when Sunday morning isn't enough, Candace Marie Bembo. Now, I first heard of Candace in 2012 when I was in seminary, and she wrote this article called Single, Saved, and Sexing. And honey, baby, the comment section was lit but I knew I had found a kindred spirit in her. And through God and our ongoing connection, she introduced me to her book agent, who's now my book agent, and now we're label mates for our books. And so it's just a beautiful time to be alive. Amen. We're grateful for Candace for sharing her memories of her matriarchs with us today. So let's hear from Candace now. My name is Candace Marie Benbo, and this is my testimony. My mother and my father were not married when I was conceived. And ironically, they both sang on the same choir and that's how they met. But when my mother was pregnant, it was her that was expected to stand before the congregation and to repent and apologize for being pregnant with me. And she said that she couldn't do it because to do it meant that she was saying that my life was a mistake and my existence was wrong. And so she refused to do it, though she was not the first one in my family to be unmarried and pregnant. There was a certain expectation because she had graduated college. She was in church. She was the one who was supposed to have done everything correctly. And she was navigating that shame and that disappointment. And she went to a church and she asked for God to give her a sign. And that's when she felt me first kick. That was God telling her that we were going to be okay. That as long as the two of us stayed connected to God, we would be good. When I say that my mother was God in flesh to me, she was the first one to love me unconditionally. I always felt safe with her, even when I frustrated her, uh, which I did a lot as a kid who did not know how to keep her mouth closed in school. I never felt like my mother regretted me. And she would say this, when I get to heaven, God is going to ask me, what did you do with the gift that I gave you? And she always said that the gift was me. And that she wanted to be able to stand before God and say, I did everything that I could so that she could thrive. And so part of what has sustained me as I have soon to be seven years live without her physical presence is trying to honor that of like, this is what it means for me to be the gift. It has been really difficult now to make sense of the fact that I live without matriarchs. And so part of what has been important for me has been cooking. I feel closest to all of 
my ancestral energy when I'm in the kitchen. I know that when I'm in there over some greens, I talk to them and I feel them. For me, above all, God loves us. God will literally go to the ends of the earth to prove that love and to ensure that we knew that love. I mean, as a Christian, I believe that that is fulfilled through the life of Jesus Christ. But for my mom, I felt all of that in every single day that I had her. And I even feel it without her physical presence. There are always these moments that are just ours. At her funeral, we played God is an Awesome God by J.J. Harrison. That was the first song that the choir sang. There will be days I just need to feel her and I turn on the radio and out of nowhere that song comes on. That wasn't a coincidence. That was my mama coming to see about me and letting me know that I am never without her love and I'm never without her presence. My grandmother taught me, when you call on the ancestors, they come. So I never call on my mom and now my grandmother and doubt that they come because they love us that much. My name is Candace Marie Benbow, and that is my testimony. That was simply beautiful. We'll be back to Fellowship with Candace after this. Y'all, we are here with Candace Marie Bembo. Candace, hi! Welcome to Sanctified. I feel so like righteous right now. I'm so excited. I don't see no doilies. <laughs> we was a little footloose and fancy free with the salvation, so I didn't have that doily ministry. <laughs> Why does it feel like you are the realest of the real? I feel like when you just been through the fire, it doesn't pay to be anything other than yourself. Absolutely. It's too short not to. Too short and too long. At the same damn time. At the same time. I feel like I could just sit here and kiki all day. Absolutely. But we have to talk about this amazing testimony Testimony, that we just heard. my God, today. You have such a lovely way of speaking to Candace. It's very clear and very just intriguing. I want to dig in and ask you about the first time that you really felt your mother's love. There is this memory that I have of living in our first apartment together. And I drew... This, you know how you could get the long sheets that were like the trace and color. And like when you finished, you had. Mm -hmm. And so I had spent most of the morning doing one. And I ran in and I showed my mom. I had to be like three or four. And or I might have been in kindergarten. I don't know. But she made me feel like I had just painted Picasso. She actually kept it and framed it. And I still have it. It's in storage. But I tell people all the time, that honestly is my first memory of my mother. And the fact that it was one in which she just delighted in me. And that's when I knew, I was like, whoever this is, like, I know she's my mom, but whoever this is, this lady really, really loves me. It's so beautiful to be able to be that young and no love. I think too often that parenting 
makes it seem like your child is your possession, but your mother made you feel like you were the gift from God. And I think essentially that gives you a freedom. And so what I want to know is, is how has that freedom influenced your self-confidence, the purpose that you walk in? When my mom passed, it felt like the pole that was in the center of me was just yanked. I was just floundering. Like I didn't know where to go. Thank God for therapy, for helping me to navigate those waters. And so I believe even when we did not fully understand each other, my mother gave me the room to be myself. And so I wanted to live in a way that honored that, that showed that she gave me what I needed to stand on my own two feet. Like, I will be very honest, (laughs) before my mama, before my mama passed, I was very sheltered. I didn't have to figure out anything. Like my mama did everything. And part of the reason why she did everything was because she felt like, okay, you're not married. You are my responsibility. I pray for the day when I get to say here (laughs) and give you to somebody. (laughs) But even in that moment, there's still some things that as an adult, you should be able to do. And I have learned those in the wake of her passing and in this life. And I realized she instilled that in me. I had it, but I never had to tap into it, if that makes sense. And when she passed, I had to tap. I had to tap. You tap. And you share from your overflow because following your journey on social media, I have been mothered by your mother. The lessons that she has blessed you with have absolutely blessed my life. Thank you. You're worthy, beloved. When I think of you, I think of voice. I think of power. And you recently tweeted about a letter your grandmother wrote about your mother's passing. And in it, you said, I have letters written by both my grandmother and mother. And when I read them alongside things I've wrote, intergenerational grief and longing are so real, but so are hope and faith. We pass it all down. So what have you learned about hope and faith in grief that you didn't know before your mother and grandmother passed away? My mother wrote to my uncle, the same uncle who gave me my grandmother's letter. He was away in the military while she was pregnant and during the first year of my birth. And so he gave me the letters that my mom wrote him. And I read them with my grandmother's letter. And then I read them with my own diary. And I was like, I could sit here and stop at the fact that we have all like in these letters talked very concretely about yearning for something and being disappointed because something was taken or being disappointed because something wasn't given to us. Or I can recognize that that disappointment and that yearning happened within the totality of a full life. Right. And I think that that is the most important lesson I've learned in all of this. I literally said this to God a few years after my mom died. I said, if you can take me through the depths of this kind of grief, 
you can also ensure that I know deep wells of joy. I experienced that in totality on Thanksgiving. This is our first Thanksgiving without my grandma. And then I experienced the fact that I fried my first turkey and it was delicious. And my stuffing tastes like my grandma's and my squash casserole tasted like my grandma's. And my uncle was like, I'm glad that I came here because I feel her here and I'm not feeling her here and being sad. And so like we missed her, but we still had joy and we still had love. And I've had to learn that grief is not my adversary. It is a companion that would much rather not be on this journey with me. But that's not how life is. And so we have learned and are learning how to walk together so that I can still experience what can very much still be a beautiful life. I love the way that you have acknowledged grief, your acknowledgement of it allows space to fully be present in everything. Do you feel like it's important to, just as Black women, to collectively understand your grief to get through it? And a lot of times we've been told, just move forward or move on, but you can't. I remember a pastor telling me that the way that I was grieving dishonored my mom. And he said that, that there were going to be young women who were looking to me and they were not going to know how to make it because they're looking to me for an answer. They weren't going to be able to find it for me. And for a minute, I really internalized that and was like, oh my God, like how am I dishonoring my mom? Then I was like, that is the dumbest mess I've ever heard. And I quickly dismissed it because I didn't lose an ink pen. I lost my mama. And so, My life reflected where I was and that I lost my mom. And if I was to say, I'm good, I can honestly tell you that I would have never made it to this place of healing and wholeness. Like I tell folks like this healing I got, I got it out the mud, literally. I had to craft it. I had to hold it. I had to be honest about the days where I got up and I was able to function and I got up. There were days where I got up and the most that you got out of me was brushing my teeth that day, right? I had a moment where I was in a mental health facility because it was just that dark to now be in a moment where What frustrates me can be very mundane. You know, the other day I tweeted that somehow over Thanksgiving, I lost my keys and I'm having to use a spare. And I've been deeply sad because my grandmother's keys and my mother's keys were on my key ring. And when you lose things that belong to people that you've already lost, it can feel like a failure. And I was sitting there and I was like, okay, God, like, let me sit in the reality that I'm sad that I lost those keys. And let me also sit in the joy that right directly behind me, I got my mama's Bible and I got my grandma's Bible. And if I got those two things, I got everything that I need from them. And so 
there's this space for us to be honest about the totality of feelings that we have and not to so like we got to sugarcoat it because we don't get free that way. And one thing about you, Candice, you going to Harriet Tubman a thing. You're not just going to sit in your freedom <laughs> by yourself. You're going to come back and get us. And one of the things that I admire about you is how you have liberated yourself from the social media aesthetic. You're going to post whatever you feel like posting when you feel like posting it. <laughs> And in the days leading up to Thanksgiving, you posted a pot that belonged to your great grandmother that she made greens in. And I said, this is an artifact. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then in your testimony, you mentioned that you connect with your ancestors by cooking. So what are your favorite recipes that your mom and your grandmother taught you? Let me be very clear. My mama did not cook. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> She could cook, but my grandparents had six children. And when my great-grandmother died, my grandmother took in her two siblings. There was never less than 10 people that my grandparents were always cooking for. And we never lived more than 10 minutes from my grandma's house. So my mama would be like, I ain't going to cook when I know mama and daddy cook. And it was funny because in her later years, she would order these cakes and then try to pass them off that she cooked them. But the one thing that she made that everybody looked forward to her making was her potato salad. Potato salad is one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites, too. I make her potato salad at every holiday because that's the one thing that she cooked. We have this pineapple coconut cake that my grandparents made every Christmas that I make. My grandmother's lasagna is like our family's, it is the thing. And so I make her lasagna. She has this cinnamon candy that she made every holiday. I make that. And her great aunt made a fruit cake. It really was a pound cake with fruit that was soaked in liquor, but like I'm screaming. Literally a fruit soaked in white lightning put in a vanilla cake. What's white lightning? That's like moonshine stuff. It is. Yeah. I'm from the north. Y'all gotta help me. So those kinds of things, like greens, anytime I cook greens, I cook them in that pot because it makes me feel close to them. Cooking makes me feel the closest to them. Listen, you are a multi-genre theologian. You are a multi-genre kitchenosian as well. You cook, <laughs> you bake, yeah. you just love people. You feed us with your words. You ain't fed me yet, but you're going to with your food. When you come, you can eat. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Say no more. I love when you come, you can eat. You'll have some. <laughs> and that's the other thing. I wasn't going to say it, Levon, because I was like, I might start crying when I say it, but we're talking about this. So I need to publicly acknowledge when you text me on Thanksgiving and was like, the ancestors are proud of you. You're becoming an ancestor in training and stepping into being the matriarch of your family. I sat there and I still, I've thought about you saying that to me since then, because I sensed that. Even before my grandmother passed, like there were things that she would tell me. There were about the history of our family. It was about things that happened in our family, things that she wanted to take place in our family 
that I knew was her preparation for me. And then when she passed and folks started looking to me, asking those questions, holiday came and it was, okay, we going to Candace house. And for many of us, we are going to have to find ways to step into the roles of matriarchs much younger than we ever thought that we would, right? Don't fight that. Find whether it's through therapy, whether I've had amazing friends who sit and helped me figure out a care plan, help me map out my weeks so that I can, you know, not lose myself as I am giving them what they need. But I do believe that we owe it to the people who are the reason that we are able to do what we do to pay it forward. Don't see it as a burden. Don't fight that. Yeah, I am 40 and I just finished frying a 20 pound turkey, baking a 12 pound ham, 15 pounds of oxtail, 30 pounds of turkey wings. And and I'm getting ready to have to do it all over again in less than a month. Accurate. But how beautiful is it that the traditions that have sustained my family and sustained me don't have to be buried simply because my grandmother is. Mm. She would hate that. She would be very disappointed if that this Christmas, our first Christmas without her, is the first Christmas that we don't have the pineapple coconut cake that we always have every Christmas, right? Like we live in a culture that has taught us to be so selfish and has taught us to move me first and forget that we've always been a communal people. And as my God brother tells me, everything Zion needs is in Zion. So whatever we need to sustain us is we can find it in community. So we don't have to reject the mantles that get passed down simply because they got passed in a way and at a time that we didn't deem necessary or that we would have otherwise wished for differently. Candace Marie Bembo, daughter of Deborah Louise Bembo, granddaughter of Helen Jackson Bembo. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank y'all. You've blessed me in a way that I didn't realize I needed because things will be handed down at a time that is unexpected. And you think you got more time to prepare, more time to do this. Oh, I've got to get this off my plate before this happens. Don't reject it. Live in it. God will walk you through. Thank you so much. Love y'all. Thank you. Our sincerest thanks to Candace Marie Bembo for sharing her story with us. We're going to take a short break and get into the offering next. It's offering time, y'all. And as you know, here at Sanctified, we do it a little differently. Offering time at Sanctified is where we offer affirming words to you. Candace Marie Bimbo is truly one of a kind. Mm-hmm. She's a gem. She really said quite a few things that resonated with me. 
the way she talks about the love she received from her mother. Yeah. Having a one-year-old now makes me always want to make sure I am giving him this incredible, unconditional love so that he knows he is surrounded. If he goes anywhere else, (laughs) they can do whatever they want to do. But he knows, walks out of this house knowing he is loved. He is taken care of. He knows who he is. I want to set an example for him so that when he is older and when he is continuing to become the man that God has called him to be, he will always have a reference of unconditional love Mm. and walk in that power and know that whatever is given to him, when Candace said to just sit in it and feel it and don't push it away, right? I want him to know that he will always have the strength to do whatever God puts before him. I know I've gotten unconditional love from my mother, which has shaped me, which has allowed me to really receive the unconditional love of God. And then to be able to receive it from my husband, I want my son to have that because with that, you can make it through anything. And he does have that just in hearing how you talk about him and you and Terrence and your co-parenting that's also a passing on you. Well, let me ask you before I identify you as one. Do you feel like you're a matriarch in the making? Absolutely. Because I identified specifically with when Candace said, you may be given things that you're not expecting at this time. I noticed that. And I have questioned God and wondered Why does it feel like this is happening right now? This shouldn't be happening right now. And at times it has felt like a burden. And I have felt bad for thinking this feels like a burden. And recognizing it's okay to feel. Yep. And to sit in it. Yep. And continue to move through it. You cannot avoid it. And trusting that if God is allowing this to happen at this time, then I am ready. Mm -hmm. and to see the gift that it is and not the burden that it can feel like. The both andness of it. I think Candace really gave us permission to honor that, yeah, we miss that grandma's not here. Also, and we got her potato salad over here. We got her red velvet cake. The grief and the joy can coexist. Exactly. They are co-companions and it will come alongside us. The thing that we get to do is learn to try to not control it, right? I abhor when people say, oh, they were sobbing uncontrollably. When is sobbing supposed to be controlled, right? You have to learn how to get comfortable with your own discomfort around grief, other people grieving, and your own. Because I feel like sometimes we can stifle ourselves as well. Yeah. And especially as we are getting older and we're expanding our consciousness around our faith journeys, we are going to come back to what we learned from our mothers, right? Mothering is complicated. Daughtering (laughs) is complicated. This was a golden nugget that my therapist gave me. She said, if your mother could do better, she would do better. So that has helped me to learn how to be in relationship in ways that are healthy for both of us. So you do the best you can with what you got. And in the words of our ancestor, Maya Angelou, 
when you know better, you do better. Amen. Period. (laughs) I'm so grateful for these lessons today. Absolutely. Y'all, thank you so much for joining us on Sanctify today. That is our show. Make sure you come back next episode and get even more sanctified with us. Also, and be sure to email us at sanctified at unbotherednetwork.com and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about. And lastly, y'all, tis the season. Tis the season. For all its joys and all its pains, Merry Krima, <laughs> Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy, Happy, Merry, Merry. Yes, Happy Holidays. Enjoy. Rest. Reflect. Out of office notes. Auto reply, auto response. Yes. That'll be the holiday gift to yourself. Because, beloved, as always, you you are worthy. Sanctified is a Spotify original series produced in partnership with Jamel Hill's Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39. Hosted by Deborah Joy Winans and LaVon Briggs. From Unbothered Network, Lodge Freeway Media, and Exit 39, Executive producers are Jamel Hill and Evan Dick. Head of content for Unbothered is Christina Tapper. Head of network operations is Rich Burner. Creative producer is Ashley J. Hobbs. From Spotify, executive producer is Christina Tapper. Creative executive is Grace Delia. Senior program manager is Jessica Dow. And program manager is Jenna Lonergan. Special thanks to all the cross-functional teams at Spotify that helped bring this program to life. This episode includes original music produced by Cheyenne G. New episodes of Sanctified come out every Wednesday, only on Spotify. So be sure to hit that follow button so you never miss an episode.